Hello and welcome to the Living Hope Wesleyan podcast. If you would like more information about Living Hope Wesleyan Church, please visit our website at hopeforvermont.org. As well as if you're enjoying these podcasts, check out the live streams at Hope for Vermont on YouTube. Well, again, my name is Jeff Fuller. I'm the pastor at this local church, Living Hope Wesleyan Church. The website is hopeforvermont.org, and we've been going through Hebrews for the last several weeks, even months. And as we continue through Hebrews, I just want to call our attention to where I focused last week, and that's Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Verse 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You will not grow weary and lose heart. Has there ever been a time where we felt like we are tired and that you've lost heart, you've been discouraged, you've become disappointed, perhaps you're even depressed, and you need God to come and intervene and to be your strength in that time of emotional health, of mental wellness. You need Him to let you know that your mind, though can be on fire, that your heart is restored with Him, and that you are lifted up so you have peace of mind, a peace that only comes from knowing Jesus. And for those that are not Christians that are watching or listening or have heard about this Christianity and they balk at it, they fight against it, they struggle because, ah, I wish it could be true, but no, it means I have to do so much. And the story of Jesus is about us surrendering to find rest in him. We want them to know that there is hope, that they will not grow weary and lose heart. Hope is the fuel for action. Hope is a fuel for action. We are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. We are being cheered on. The stands are full. The The playing field is surrounded by those cheering you on. So let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, making no excuse, not saying, well, God's grace covers it. His love loves me no matter what. But we say, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles so we can run with perseverance. Perseverance. We can strive. We can work. We can sweat. We can struggle. And like the Olympian, I think it's Derek Redman, who pulled up lame with a hamstring, he completed the race with the help of his father coming down from the stands with a pulled hamstring he completed. He ran with perseverance. This is the race marked out for us, marked out for you, not marked out for everybody, as much as as possible that God has called you to. We talked about the parable of the talents last week about how God gave one, five, one, two, and one, one. And so we don't have to compare ourselves, but we can run the race marked out for us, the race that God has called you to, the life, the journey that you are on. God wants to surround you with others so you can run that with perseverance and complete it. And knowing the only way we can do that is to fix our eyes on Jesus, to focus on him. 
He's not just the finish line, but he's the one that's walking with us, that's carrying us, that's abiding. We abide in him every day, every moment that's available. We fix our eyes on him, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. This is the one that we focus on, the one whose same power we have, the one whose same power raised Christ Jesus from the dead. This is the one that we fix our eyes on and now he's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He is seated there. We consider him who endured. Consider him who endured. What a great verse. What a great memory that we are surrounded, that we throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, that we run with perseverance, the race that marked for us. We fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We consider him who endured. And as we look at this again, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author, the perfecter, the pioneer of faith, for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. The English Standard Version says uh, you may not grow weary and become faint-hearted, faint-hearted. Well, as we look forward, we look at verse 4 of this chapter. In our struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood. This talks about, uh, in different translations, versions of the Bible, and your struggle. And as you resist, as you fight this all-out match, as you strive against sin, the Amplified Version, it says you have not done so with it without the shedding of blood. And it's a reminder of those that were martyred, those that died for their faith, those in chapter 11 that gave everything. That's the faith chapter. In your struggle against sin, be reminded you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding of blood. You have not. And this is kind of a... A reminder, perhaps a foreshadowing, a warning of what might be coming, what is coming. The persecution of the church is not that you have to wear a mask. It's not that you cannot gather together in a large group. The persecution of a church is, well, the martyring, the killing for your faith. Yes, it was inconvenient, but I think we learned a lot as a local church of the importance of personal friendships, of gathering over a campfire, a cookout, over cornhole, or some other thing that begins with C. It was a time that we learned that we are the church, we are the body of Christ, and we can go and move forward. As we look forward, witness means a martyr. We need to understand that there may be a time that we are martyred for our faith, and until that time, let's not shrink back from all that God's calling us to, the, the joy that comes with being an ambassador for him by being one that shares our testimony and knows that we're covered by the blood of the Lamb. Hebrews 12, 5 through 6. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard, this is from Proverbs 
3, 11, and 12. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when approved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he disciplines. Every endure hardship as discipline. Uh, God, I think I got ahead of myself. Let me go back. I apologize for that. If we can go back one slide. Maybe that's two slides. Hebrews 12, 5, and 6. Yes. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. This is the discipline that we must have. This is, well, the emotionally healthy discipleship. We're going through this on Wednesdays at 7 in person or via Zoom. We're going to offer it again, this small group, this life group. And it talks about embrace God's gift of limits. Embrace God's gift of limits. Also embrace God's discipline. He disciplines those he loves. He is preparing us for something more. This is an opportunity we have as believers to go after Jesus. We need to embrace his discipline. Nobody in the middle of training enjoys it. We're going to talk about this a little bit later on, but once the race comes and you know you have trained and prepared and done all that you could do, the race is still difficult, but you are so joyful. You are so happy. You are so uh, glad that you made that time to endure those things. Embrace God's discipline. Embrace God's gift of limits. And now Hebrews 12, 7 through 9, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. He no longer calls us servants. He no longer calls us slaves. He no longer says, I'm lording it over you. You have to do this. But he's calling us friends. And beyond that, he's calling us his children. He loves us. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you're not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons or daughters at all. And that's why, well, I don't want to get into a parenting class, but that's why discipline is so important. This is why if you're part of a family that is uh, come together with different children, that you take that ownership, that you become that father, that you show that role of a parent and that you intercede on their behalf. This is why we read in verse 9, Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. And this is discipline that we know is for our good. It's not abuse. This is not what we want. But we want discipline. We want coaches that help us. We want counselors that are informed. We want those that can take us from point A to point B to C to D to E to F. I'm losing track of my alphabet. We want to grow in that way. We have to understand how much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live, submit to God, submit to what he has for us because God has the best for us if we will only grow in him. This is Hebrews 9.27, just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment. This is the opportunity for us to change conviction before judgment. God is saying that I'm going to discipline you. I'm going to help you before the judgment. It's going to be the practice, the practice, the preparation, the video review. All you sports fans, you know what it takes. All you coaches understand what it takes to prepare yourself and your team before the event and how much more we are preparing for life because it is appointed once for man to die and then to face the judgment. So Jesus is allowing us to know. He's allowing us to go through this conviction so that we can change before 
the judgment. Hebrews 12.10, we find these words, they disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness, share in God's holiness. God's telling us that he wants to make us perfect. This is moving beyond the elementary teachings as we find in Hebrews 6.1 a few weeks ago. excuse me, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God. This is the elementary teachings. The alphabet, A, B, C, D, E, F. Like if I was reading this, as I shared in weeks previous, it would be saying capital T, lowercase h, Lowercase e, lowercase r, lowercase e, lowercase f, lowercase o, lowercase r, lowercase e, space, lowercase l, lowercase e, lowercase t, space, lowercase u, lowercase e. Yes, I'm going to stop because we've moved on from the elementary teaching of identifying the alphabet letters. We've moved on to reading and God is saying this is the completeness that he has for us, that he wants to move us to. He wants us to know him, not just to know about him. The Greek word we talked about, gnosko, that's to know through experience because you've been a part of it. You've had your senses engaged with it. Your heart, your mind has been transformed or at least given opportunity to be transformed by who Jesus is. We can know Jesus or you can just know some facts about Jesus. You can know scripture and allow scripture to read you or you can just read it just to get your devotions done just to get a check mark just to feel like oh i did something now god's going to give back when we understand whereas we begin to understand god loves us no matter what god's just trying to draw us closer he wants a scripture to read us so that we would know him not just know about him as we look at Hebrews 12, 11, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness, right living. We can do what is right and peace for those who have been trained by it. This emotional health, this mental wellness, people are longing for the peace that only God can give. This hope that only Jesus has for us, this peace this be still and know that he is good it's available so allow him to discipline us so we can know that we are his it's not pleasant at the time it is not pleasant at the time and this makes me think of hebrews 10 24 through 25 we spur one another on let us consider how we can spur one another on toward love and good deeds and even more so as we see the day approaching and not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing this verse as i listen to several sermons a week this verse is getting preached a lot by local church pastors as we can reconvene as doors are opening people are saying let's not forget this verse in hebrews 10 let us consider how we may spur one another on toward loving good deeds it's not pleasant at the time to be spurred, but it does create movement. And let us consider how, not through manipulation, not through demanding, not through guilt, not through shame, but because we've experienced, we know Jesus, we've experienced his love, his forgiveness. We want to compel others to know that same love so we don't give up meeting together and sharing those stories of who Jesus is, opening the word and saying, I've experienced this truth, it's available to you based on who Jesus says he is. 
Some are in the habit of not meeting. Some are in the habit of not going to church or gathering as the church. But we need to be even more so as we see the day of God's return approaching, spur one another on. It's not pleasant at the time, but God is calling us to this. This is from the book Leadership Pain. Leadership Pain and Change leads to pain, which gives growth. Everybody says they want to grow. I want to grow. But growing pains, your bones develop, your muscles grow, and there's some pain. But after you embrace the pain, you see the change and you experience growth. And this is what God is calling us to in our personal walk with him, in our life with him. Everything that grows is not healthy. But healthy things do grow. Let me repeat that. I stole that. I believe it's Carrie Newoff. Everything that grows is not healthy, but healthy things do grow. So how are you growing in your faith with Jesus, in your understanding of who he is, in your knowledge, in your gnosko of Jesus? Know Jesus through experience that's greater than knowing facts about Jesus. It's painful. It's discipline. But that leads to growth. That leads to growth. Uh, I love this verse. It made me laugh. It made me chuckle. Um, I've been playing basketball, men's pickup basketball, uh, Tuesday, Thursdays, five to seven outdoors by the Waterbury Pool. It's blacktop. It's been a lot of fun. But we play full court on blacktop. So for the first time, I actually need new shoes, Beth. Um, I tore the bottoms off my old shoes playing on blacktop. And for the first time in a long time, I actually need new shoes. I'm not just saying that I want new shoes, but... I need it. And strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. When I injured my wrist, I wasn't able to lift weights or chose not to lift weights for several months now. And feeble arms and weak knees. Playing on blacktop, I have weak knees and feeble arms. And it just made me uh, chuckle at this. But when it says strengthen, it means to Restore, rebuild, or strengthen. This word in the Greek, strengthen, it means, well, in ortho. Uh, so I just thought like orthopedics, maybe it came from that. Maybe it didn't. I'm not ex um, exactly clear, but restore, rebuild, strengthen. What if God wants to restore you? He takes your feeble knees and your weak arms and he does surgery. So they are strong. They're just like new. They're just how he created them and intended you to function. This is what God is saying to strengthen us that God has available to us. Make level paths for your feet so that you so that the lame may not be disabled but rather be healed. I really like this. This comes from Proverbs 4:26. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled but rather healed. I go back and I think I could prove this by scripture as it is scripture in Hebrews 12:2. The sin that so easily entangles. Remove everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Remove every obstacle. Remove every uh, thing that gets in the way so that you can have a level path for your feet. Maybe it's a big obstacle you need to climb over. Maybe it's a big uh, divide that you have to jump over or get through when you feel like every time you dig a hole, you go deeper and deeper. And God's saying, make it level. Make it level, get rid of that obstacle so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather be healed. Get rid of those things. 
everything, throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles so we can go after Jesus. We can fix our eyes on him. We can focus on him and understand that he loves us so much. Make level paths for your feet. Get rid of those obstacles that get in our way, those temptations that we know God forgives us, that sin that we go back to over and over. We know God loves us, but why would we continue to sin when he says we can have level paths? Why would we strain so hard when we can accept his discipline that's going to prepare us and make us so that when we die, we can face judgment with certainty that we are hidden in him. Well, as we look at Hebrews 12, 14, uh, it says, make every effort to live in peace with everyone who, uh, and to be holy without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Make every effort. What does that mean to make every effort? Well, every fight does not need to be fought by you. Every fight does not need to be fought by you and certainly does not need to be posted on social media of your opinion on each matter. Perhaps there's some times where that's important, but I would suggest that just quote scripture or post a sermon or something that has ministered to you. Not that you hope somebody reads what ministers to them, but something that helped you change through pain and you've seen growth. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Because without holiness, it is impossible to see God. Without holiness, how can we be holy? Well, we know that we are Jesus. We are his followers. And he says in 1 Peter 2, 9, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We are God's special possession. Without holiness, no one will see God. Well, it's good that we are hidden in him. So he views us as redeemed. We are in him. We are reconciled with Jesus. Colossians 3.3 says it even better. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. You died and now you are hidden with Christ in God. Jesus views us in such a way that we can live at peace and make every effort to be found holy, to be made complete and who Jesus says we are. Hidden with Christ and God, he is the vine. We are the branch. He is the trunk. He is the tree. He is the root. We are the branch that grows out from him. We are hidden in him. We are the glove. He is the hand. We don't put Jesus on and try to control him or manipulate him or speak loud enough so he reacts to our wishes or our desires, but we are the glove that allows him to fill us. And as he moves, we respond in obedience. We are hidden in Christ. We are hidden with Christ in God. We are hidden with Christ who is seated at the right hand of the Father with his seat up, not worrying about what's going to happen, but knowing that his Father has a plan and is good, that his dad is good. And as we cry out, Lord, I need you, he responds with, I am with you. 
And because he is with us, we can serve him with great freedom, knowing that we don't do it out of selfish ambition or jealousy because we want to receive something that someone else has, but we do it because we understand the grace and the forgiveness for our sin that is just as destructive as those we look at that we might say have committed worse sins. We know that our sin required Jesus' death. And his resurrection and his forgiveness. So we say, Jesus, thank you for loving us that way. And may we let us share that truth with others so that more would know his forgiveness and share him. That we might know him and make him known. Jesus, we thank you that your name has great power. Forgive us when your name is spoken in vain. And forgive us, Father, when we neglect to live in gratitude for who you are and what you've done. Jesus, we thank you for your discipline. And though it is not fun, though we do not enjoy it, we understand it's for a purpose, so may we respond quickly to your leading so that when we face judgment, we know that we are forgiven. And Jesus, for our friends, for those that we work with, for those that we come in contact with, for those that we play sports with, that we hang out with, that do not know you, oh God, let your spirit speak to them and may our lives reflect who you are in a way that compels one another to love you, to ask for your forgiveness, to make you Savior and Lord of our lives. We thank you, Jesus, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like more information about Living Hope Wesleyan Church, make sure to visit hopeforvermont.org, as well as don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, at Living Hope Wesleyan Church, where you can catch live stream versions of these services as well as other content. Have a great day.